Hello, good evening, everyone. Happy Tuesday. It's Tuesday. It's Tuesday. That's right. Happy Tuesday, everybody. It's good to see and uh, see you on the broadcast. Tonight, we want to welcome everybody here um, to any first time listeners. Thank you for making us part of your Tuesday night into our faithful following. Thank you for making us part of your uh, evenings uh, week after week now. Um, if you need to learn more about who we are, uh, Newark United Pentecostal Church, we have a website that we'd uh, love for you to visit, newarkupc.info, and you can learn all sorts of things that we're doing through our digital campus at this time, um, from joining small groups that we're still uh, uh meeting in uh, via Zoom, which we have this evening for our Newark UPC members. You've got small group tonight um, to ways to partner with us in giving and in prayer and to find out what our kids are doing uh, on our Zoom calls and all sorts of information. Please join us there. Um, we do broadcast six nights a week, and that is Tuesday through Sunday at 7 p.m. So this week, it's Tuesday, and um, Arash had kind of kicked off our theme this week with his Sunday message of the outcasts, the outsiders, uh, other words, the foreigners, the immigrants of the Bible the marginalized people. And um, that's what we're looking at this week. That is our theme this week is, um, you know, there are people that God had always separated his people um, from others, from other nations, from other beliefs. Um, and the biblical examples and stories that we're going to hear about this week will be about some of the ones that God reached for. Um, that were outsiders or from these other uh, sometimes ungodly nations. And when God reached for them, uh, they responded to him, uh, which resulted in conversions and ongoing transformation of their lives as, as they shifted from being separate from God's people, a separate group, a separate people, to becoming one of his. And, you know, God had a plan for um, each one of them in like this greater picture of his kingdom and his plan and his purpose. And we're going to be talking about that specifically in the example tonight we're going to look at. Um, because when God reaches for the outsider, uh, it's not by mistake. Because in the eyes of God, he has designed each and every one of us to fit and participate in his plan and his purpose in this world. And we, as the broken human beings that we are, the broken human beings that were, that we read about in the Bible, you know, we, we might have ideas of who fits uh, and who shouldn't into that picture. I mean, this has always been and will always be a problem that God's people have. But when God touches a life and that life, that person responds to him, God can turn anybody into a somebody for him. 
Come on, I can see that on a t-shirt. I know somebody say the amens, do the hearts, do the face emojis. Let me know. Some of us were those anybodies in the eyes of others. You know, the outsider, the outcast, the foreigner, if we want to say it that way, the um, marginalized. They're just anybody. But in God's eyes, we're somebody. When he makes us somebody through him and his will and his purpose in this life. So the outsider we're going to hear about tonight is one of my favorites. Um, lots of stories, lots of lessons, lots of sermons can be preached from this passage. And tonight, because we have small group tonight in about 25 minutes, I'm going to try to make a couple brief points, but it's a powerful story. And it's a story about a conversion to Christianity the other, the outsider, God reaching for them, and them being brought into and belonging to him. Um, and I just want to note, this is going to come out through other lessons this week. It's going to come out in my lesson tonight. But I want to note that this conversion uh, includes the gift of eternal salvation with Christ. But it's more than that, too. That when God calls you out of something, right? When God calls you out of something, and for many of us, he did. Um, it, he puts you into his purpose and his plan. And we leave that something and we turn and we commit to the participation of his plan and his will. Amen. So. Let's go ahead, and if you would, turn with me to Acts chapter 8, and we will read the story of Philip the Evangelist and the Ethiopian eunuch. We're going to be settling in uh, Acts 8, verses 26 through 40. Just reading the story through, it's very well documented, um, and we can get a lot from uh, just reading it uh, word for word. But the story starts with Philip, who had just uh, preached the gospel in Samaria. Okay, that's up a couple verses above in chapter 8, verses 4 through 8. Gives us a little context. Philip is out doing his, his uh, spreading the gospel. Um, and so exciting things were happening in the verses before this story of the Ethiopian eunuch. And the gospel message was being propagated by men like Philip from place to place and Philip was ready to return home when, and let's read, as for Philip, an angel of the Lord said to him, go south down the desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out and he met the treasurer of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under the Kandake, the queen of Ethiopia. The eunuch had gone to Jerusalem to worship and he was now returning. Seated in his carriage, he was reading aloud from the book of the prophet Isaiah. The Holy Spirit said to Philip, go over and walk along beside the carriage. So Philip ran over and heard the man reading from the prophet Isaiah. Philip asked, do you understand what you're reading? The man replied, how can I, unless someone instructs me? And he urged Philip to come up into the carriage and sit with him. The passage of scripture he had been reading was this. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb is silent before the shears, he did not open his mouth. He was humiliated and received no justice. Who can speak of his descendants? 
for his life was taken from this earth. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, was the prophet talking about himself or someone else? So beginning with this same scripture, Philip told him the good news about Jesus. As they rode along, they came to some water and the eunuch said, look, there's some water. Why can't I be baptized? And he ordered the carriage to stop and they went down in the water and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away. The eunuch never saw him again, but he went on his way rejoicing. Meanwhile, Philip found himself farther north at the town of Azotus. He preached the good news there and in every town along the way until he came to Caesarea. So this story and what I'm about to share with you tonight, I feel like some dots were connected. And I'm going to try to connect them as best as possible uh, for you all faithful people listening. Because um, some dots were connected for me. And here we go, making my best effort here. And I know the Lord helps me. And I know he's prepared something for each person listening tonight. Um, so I want to make two simple points. My first point is that we really need to kind of see and grasp and know, realize how much God loves the outsider, the marginalized of society, the foreigner, the outcast, whatever term we want to use. You know, I kind of had to look up a couple facts. Our character tonight is a eunuch. So I just looked up a little summary here about um, what it means to be a eunuch. And uh, so this is what I found. A eunuch is a man who's been castrated for the purpose of trusted servitude in a royal household. We see this also in the book of Esther and in Daniel. And a king would often castrate his servants to ensure that they would not be tempted to engage in sexual activity with others in the palace specifically the royal harem, or to prevent their plotting and overthrow. Like eunuchs were incapable of setting up a dynasty for their own. So it secured that in the minds of the, the, the royalty that these things wouldn't happen. So, and eunuchs are, have been a part of many civilizations around the world. So according to these facts, a eunuch would have been, no surprise, a very lonely life. And uh, he would not have had the ability to leave a legacy because he wouldn't have had children. His worth and his value as a man was devalued because his masculinity was taken from him as a man unable to reproduce. And that gave a man, you know, a great sense of pride, that the ability to reproduce, the ability to have children um, and to leave a legacy and, and to be able to establish something like a family in his lifetime. And the eunuch did not know joy or pride in that way. Um, and his life was a life of service. Um, and it was service where he knew his place. Um, so many times the eunuch not being seen or even viewing himself as an equal to others. That's the mentality and the place he had that was his existence the lens through which he looked. And so uh, also specific to the, the eunuch in this story, the Ethiopian eunuch, I read that he was probably a Jewish pros proselyte 
and so it was probably on his trip home to Ethiopia that he encountered Philip the evangelist. So back to my first point now with those kind of facts about a eunuch, their life and, um, and their, and their uh, view of self and society's view of them. Now that we have established a little bit of that, my first point tonight is emphasizing God's love for the outsider. He loves the outsider so much that God prepared the heart of the eunuch. We read, he was reading in the scriptures. He was already familiarizing himself with what was the word of God, the holy scriptures available to him at that time. Um, so God prepared the heart of the eunuch to receive what he had for the, him that day, which was the gift of salvation and transformation in Christ. And God was working on Philip's heart long before, or excuse me, the eunuch's heart long before Philip arrived. As he read the passage of Isaiah that spoke of the suffering that Christ suffered for all, and that the suffering that was experienced was not only physical, but it says that he was humiliated with no justice. I think the eunuch could relate with Christ's suffering on that point, on a deeper level than most of us can. Because of his experience as a castrated man to be made into a eunuch and the ramifications that over his life bore out uh, and the, the ramifications mentally for him of his value and worth. What happened in that moment when he was reading the scriptures in Isaiah was that he read himself in Christ's experience there. And that's what the eunuch understood, that even he belonged to God because of the death, burial, and resurrection, that gospel message. So my first point is for us to see that the story of the Ethiopian eunuch uh, so beautifully illustrates this truth. And I'm hammering it because I, this is, I want us to get this. This is one of the dots. God prepares hearts to receive what he has for them. God prepares the heart. For what? To receive what he has for them. So this is why, and I'm speaking to the church at this point right now, we can't judge where a person's faith is or heart is from an external or outside standpoint. And this is especially true when it comes to the outsider, the outcasts of society, because we tend to have already determined the have and the have nots. But scripture tells us that God knows the intents of each and every heart, and only he knows that. And so I want to say to, to, for tonight, if somebody is seeking truth like the eunuch was, and you feel like you're the outcast who's on the outside, God's promise is for you and he loves you deeply. And God is here. I know that the church believes that. He's here because his word says when we meet, he is in our midst. And God will prepare your heart just as he did that eunuch's heart to receive what he has for you. Amen. God desires that all will turn and come to him because he wishes that none 
would perish. And that includes the outsiders, and it always has. And so for those of us now who call ourselves disciples of Christ, who identify as a follower of Jesus, we need to remember this too. Because sometimes even us Jesus followers don't look at the outsiders through that lens that Jesus does uh, even in our own context today, in our place and time today. And so this leads me to my second point this evening, that <clears throat> this story is not only about the love of God towards the outsider, but it's also about the expectation of his disciples in response to the outsider. In the example of Philip, he's the evangelist in this story. He followed the leading of the Holy Spirit. Remember, he was ready to do go return home. And God said, the Holy Spirit said, ah, go down that road. And Philip responded and he, he did what the Holy Spirit told him to do. And it led him to the eunuch. And his spirit-filled believers, we better count on the Lord leading us to reach the outsider. We should count on it. We shouldn't be surprised by it. We should count on it. The Holy Spirit will lead his people to reach the outsider because God uses his people to reach them. That's how he's chosen to do it. And so don't discount yourself from this expectation of a disciple because of this word evangelist that we're reading in the, in the scriptures. I know we all have this idea uh, comes to mind about what it, when we hear the term evangelist. Evangelist simply is a term for being one to share the gospel. Yes, it comes through preaching, but preaching is not only over a pulpit. Uh, preaching is just speaking the word of God, speaking truth. Um, and the gospel is just the good news of Christ. And so when we think of it being an evangelist in that way, we should expect that the Holy Spirit is going to expect this of us. And so <clears throat> evangelist is not that term reserved for one person, usually a man, right? Uh, we have this idea, it's evangelist uh, is not an event that we say, oh, I'll, I'll go hear the evangelist tonight. Evangelist isn't the person who shows up three times a year and preaches a rowdy message over the pulpit. No, that's, that's not what evangelist means. It might be culturally what it has come to mean for us as the church, but let's try to get back to the biblical language here and meaning. And so this particular story though is often used um, as an example of evangelism. What happens when a disciple of Christ follows the leading of the spirit and shares the gospel with somebody who needed to hear it and invites them into the uh, uh, family of God. So we are called to share the gospel as disciples of Christ. And if you agree with that tonight with me, then you are participating in evangelism. So if we all thought of ourselves as evangelists, just try to try to wrap our brains around that right now. If we all thought of ourselves as evangelists and we didn't leave it to the select few ministers 
that pass through church here and there. But if we were the evangelists in our own context and believe that the Holy Spirit could reach for a seeking, hungry heart through me or through you, then this is part of the takeaway that I want us to take from this message tonight. First Peter chapter 3, verse 15 says, Instead, you must worship Christ as the Lord of your life, speaking to the church. And if someone asks about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. That's it. That's what we're asked to do. And I love this little passage in 1 Peter more and more as I think about it and encounter it and, and think about what it means for us as disciples of Christ. And some of you might be thinking, well, I, I don't know how to share the gospel. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't preach over a pulpit. I don't, I'm not a, a minister, you know, capital M. I'm not a, I don't know how to do this. You know, what if, what if, what if the hearers don't want to hear? What if the person doesn't want to hear the gospel? How do I know if they want to hear it? We start asking all of these series of questions to kind of get ourselves, um, uh, out of this responsibility, justify why we don't really, that's really not my part in the body of Christ. But I think between this Ethiopian eunuch example in Phillips and this passage in First Peter, we can find an answer to that, to those questions. According to scripture, a disciple of Christ is expected to be ready and willing to give a response to a person. And this part is key that God has prepared to hear it. God prepared the eunuch for his encounter with Philip. And so you might say, well, how do I know that they're prepared to hear it? Because just like the eunuch, somebody who is prepared to hear what the Lord has for them and they're a seeking hungry heart, they will ask when they come in contact with a spirit-filled believer, because this is God at work, not me, not you, this is God at work. And the scripture says in, that, in the next verse, and we didn't read it, but in 1 Peter, it goes on to say the kind of response that we as disciples of Christ must have when we're asked about to share our hope in uh, Christ. It says it needs to be one of kindness and of respect. And we see that's how Philip encountered. He knew, he knew the Holy Spirit was leading him to something. And he saw that Ethiopian eunuch. And the Spirit said, just go wait by his carriage. We don't read that Philip went and, and choked him, you know, with scripture, Bible thumped in, in him and said, you know, you got to listen to this. You got to listen to me. No, he waited for the Ethiopian eunuch to ask his question. And um, so we don't need to, you know, being an evangelist for the Lord doesn't mean Bible thumping. I know we're a lot of us are turned off by that. We don't need to do that. God's preparing the hearts and the disciples of Christ are the ones to be led by the spirit. And these two things are what make uh, these encounters possible. So God prepares the hearts to receive what you have prepared as his disciple of Christ to share when asked. That's that first Peter response. If 
asked, be prepared to share the hope you have within you. A lot of preparing going on. We've got God preparing the heart of a hungry soul to receive what he has for them. And the job of the disciple of Christ is to prepare within ourselves uh, a response should we be asked to share the hope that we have. I should say when we're asked to share the hope that we have. And it's that simple. And you might be thinking, oh, what what do I say in response? And that is that. You don't need to have a sermon prepared. You only need to share the hope that you have within you. Share your testimony. Many of you have done this from time to time. People are probably thinking about a time when this has happened. And what what were you doing? Pulling out your sermon notes? No. You were sharing experiences and encounters, real things with somebody where God spoke through you, through your testimony, to bring someone into his family. It's an amazing thing when we let God be God and uh, we are willing vessels before him, what God does with his church when we are in that place. Amen. So do you see the cycle here? God prepares a person's heart to receive the hope that you have prepared to share in your heart when asked. That's the sum of tonight. Take that, take that sentence with you. That's it. That's the point. God loves the outsider. And we'll see more of that this week. We'll hear more about that this week. He reaches for them through his church, through the body of believers, to fulfill his purpose and his mission on earth. He's always reached for the outcasts. He's always reached for the outsiders. And he made them separate unto him and called them his own. Often, as we read in scriptures, and sometimes we see today, at the disgust of his own people. You see, God values everyone equally, even the people that we might turn our noses up at. He loves them, he values them, and he wants them to be a part of his mission in this world and purpose and plan too. I just want to read one more verse. Uh, In uh, verse 18 of 1 Peter Chapter three, it tells us why as the out, why an outsider like the eunuch belongs in the family of God and why it's you do, why you also belong in his family too. It's for all of us. Verse 18 says, Christ suffered for our sins once for all time. He suffered once and that covered all of time. Who does that leave out? It leaves out nobody. All is all. And it says he never sinned, but he died for sinners to bring you safely home to God. I see our time here. We are at 727. Our small groups will be beginning shortly. And so I think this is a good time uh, for me to end our thought tonight. And I hope that some of those dots were connected for you as they were for me in reading through this powerful story. Um, visit it this week, again, the story in Acts chapter 8. And uh, if you would, just close with me in prayer. I just want to um, say, hang on after prayer, uh, after I finish the prayer. There's a little something uh, that we're going to play 
for you all and you don't want to miss it. So let's end with prayer and then hang on a minute and then enjoy your small groups tonight uh, if you have your small group. Heavenly Father, we're just so thankful, God, for your wonderful, wonderful word, for the stories that have been captured in it to remind us of these biblical truths uh, of your love for the outsiders, for the outcasts, for those, Lord, whose society says they're not equals to me. God, we're thankful, Lord, for your love for each of us. God, help us as the church to be ready to respond to an inquiry when asked from a hungry soul that needs to know your love. Thankfully, we uh, know your love. We can speak to your love and your work of transformation in our lives. God, help us to realize all you expect, all you want is your church to be able to share a, a word, a testimony, a scripture with someone when they're seeking. God, continue to plant uh, seeds of hunger in the hearts around us, God, so that we have an opportunity to exercise our uh, sharing the hope that we have within us. We love you, Lord. We thank you for your word tonight. God bless us. God bless the listeners, our small groups tonight. And Lord, keep us until we come together again. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.